The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 14th chapter. Now when Jesus heard about the death of John, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, and healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, We have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. One of the things we learn throughout the New Testament is that you should think of your life like the life of Israel. This is why learning the stories of the Old Testament is so valuable. It's because they are, in fact, your stories. Earlier this week, we heard a lesson from Paul about how our lives are an Exodus story. A story of deliverance from slavery. And here's how that story goes. You were a slave to sin. Like Israel were slaves under Pharaoh in Egypt. And so you had no choice. Serving sin was the only option. And the reward for your labor was death. But then Moses came and brought you through your Red Sea and gave you the triune name and promised you a new home. As we saw this morning, baptism is your Red Sea. And in that moment, once and for all, your enemies were drowned, you were set free from sin, and you were given the promise of a new home. And so, you are not slaves anymore. You belong to God as children. And your reward is holiness and life. And so here you are today, somewhere between Egypt and that promised land. And like the people of Israel, like the crowds that followed Jesus in the wilderness, sometimes you get hungry. Now when the people of Israel got hungry, they grumbled all the time, at every turn, at every opportunity, and they would cultivate for themselves these vivid false memories of just how great things had been in Egypt. Oh, that we had meat to eat, they said. We remember the fish that we had in Egypt that cost nothing. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now, our strength is dried up. And there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. Of course, it's not true Things weren't great in Egypt. Start with the fact that they were slaves and a people without a home and that Pharaoh had no trouble murdering their sons 
and keeping them from worshiping their God and Father. And so we discover that really, it isn't a story about food. Just like Adam and Eve at the tree in the garden wasn't a story about what to eat for lunch. These are actually stories about a choice. A serious and grave choice. Death or life. Slavery or freedom. Hopefully you start to get an inkling of how Israel's story is your story. Here you are today, somewhere between Egypt and the Promised Land, and sometimes you get hungry. And sometimes, like the people of Israel, what you hunger for is actually the old, familiar shackles of sin and death. Of course, it never appears that way. The devil has changed his tactics now that you are no longer a slave, now that you are free to live this wonderful, beautiful, holy, and loving life that God has wanted for you from the beginning. Now that you are free, now that you are not bound to serve sin, the devil spends his effort making sin look attractive. So pick your temptation. It doesn't matter what it is. What it offers is to satisfy you, to give you what God seems to be withholding from you, to bring you safely back home to Egypt. But you can see what a ridiculous idea that is at face value. Look, it's true. Egypt has no claim on Israel. Pharaoh is dead, and all his army are drowned. But if Israel goes back and lives like slaves again, or if they spend their freedom longing for the days of their slavery, then what was the point of the Exodus in the first place? Now, Israel craved the meat that they had in Egypt, and so God gave them meat to eat. But it wasn't good for them. He fed 600,000 Israelites in the wilderness by sending them quail that covered the ground three feet deep in their camp. And while the meat was still between their teeth, God struck them with a plague. Because, again, it really wasn't about the food. It was about choosing death over life and slavery over freedom. And Israel had chosen and so they got what they wanted. Now I tell you this story, the story of Israel, because it illuminates the miracle in our gospel lesson today. It certainly is miraculous that Jesus feeds the crowds with a few loaves and fish, but it's not completely unexpected. God fed the people of Israel, all 600,000 of them, in the wilderness for 40 years with manna, the bread of angels, so what's 5,000 for dinner? Not really that difficult for God. And so instead, notice this miracle. Notice just how different the crowds that follow Jesus are compared to the grumbling people of Israel. Here they are in the wilderness, flocking after Jesus, neglecting their stomachs, ignoring their appetites, practically dying to hear what he has to say, to be touched and healed by him. And they sit when he says sit, and they eat when he says eat, and they are filled up completely 
with his food. And there is even more left over. And if you posed the question to yourself, I suspect that you could not help but say, I want to be like that. I want to be like that crowd following Jesus. I prefer life to death and freedom to slavery. After all, it isn't just a story about food. What you see in the crowds and what you perceive in yourself when you hear it is a hunger for righteousness, a longing for this wonderful, beautiful, holy, and loving life that you have now been set free to live. And it is this hunger which God cultivates in you by setting before you time and again, here in his word and there in that font and at this altar, just how much better life is than death. It should be obvious, but it is easy to forget in this wilderness. And the temptations of the devil can be rapturous. Do not underestimate him. He has the capacity even to make a brutal life of slavery look attractive. And so here's what you should do as often as you can. Follow Jesus here and listen to his every word. For this hour, every weekend, as you've done today, set aside your appetites, ignore your hunger, and let Jesus cultivate in you a new hunger, a hunger for righteousness. Draw near so that he can touch you and heal you. Sit when he says sit. Eat when he says eat. And the food that he gives you will fill you up completely with plenty to spare. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.